Let's pray, and then we're going we're gonna to look at this final beatitude this morning. Lord God, we come to you wanting, I trust, to hear from you, believing that you have spoken in your word, and believing that your spirit will continue to speak and convict So, Lord, here is our part. Calm us. Give us ears that will hear and listen and apply what your Spirit speaks to us this morning. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to just briefly recap where we've been um, over this summer. This, this message here is the final in a series called, and you can see it here on the screen. If you're listening online, you can see it on your screen perhaps, Upside Down, A Summer Walk Through the Beatitudes. The summer is coming to a close. Um, next week, as Seth and Alyssa mentioned, we are having a baptism here. Uh, not not here, but here at Kingwood, out at the Shapen Lake. Uh, looking forward to that for um, for youth who are going to be baptized next week, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to that time. But so today is the close of this series here, a summer walk through the Beatitudes, and again, it's called upside down because for society. During the time of Jesus, to hear these words, and for us as a society today to hear these words, this is upside down in how we typically think. So if we're going to pursue happiness, in our minds, happiness is is found in a a certain way, and I'm not sure how you would spell it out. But, but maybe that is, well, it's making money, it's going on fancy vacations, it's having good relationships, good friendships. That is where happiness is found. It's having no turmoil in the home with my parents, with my children. Um, it's having no turmoil at work, no turmoil at school. That's happiness. And, and Jesus, I think, is saying, hold on here a second. Turn everything upside down. What you believe about happiness is not where happiness is found. That, that might lead you to what we could call short-lived happiness. Like, you'll be happy there for a little bit. You know, if your friends treat you really well, you'll be happy there for a bit. If you get a raise at work, uh, you'll be happy for a bit. But this is short-lived happiness. It's not long-lasting happiness. It's not true happiness. And Jesus is saying, if you want to be blessed, here's where it's found. Turn everything, turn your thinking upside down. I have a question this morning, and I want to actually hear a few of your responses. So I hope that you'll consider sharing this. And if you're listening online, I hope that you will engage here as well. And you might even consider just dialoguing in the text box next to uh, Facebook there. Question, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, what was it that made you decide to follow him? If you have placed your faith in Jesus, and I trust that many of you have, what is it that caused you, led you to place your faith in Jesus? Why? Pat? Okay, good. Because he loved me. Because he loved me first, my response was to love him back. Good. Why else? Janet? Because I knew that I couldn't see that myself. Good. Yeah, because I knew that I could not achieve this on my own. Good. I, I can try, but I, I'm just not going to get anywhere. Cheryl? Excellent. Thank you so much for that honesty. Because... Because I, I tried chasing after other things, and I found out it was empty. And I, I got to the point where I was just like, okay, I need something more. Good. One or two more of you. 
was that Allison? Okay, Allison, say that again. Good. He showed me a miracle. God is a God of miracles. Um, and if that's what it takes to get you to follow, God will provide that miracle. And he did that in your life. And because of that, you say, Lord, I want to follow you. Good. Yes, Doreen. He showed you his care. Good. Excellent. Thank you, Doreen. Good. Yeah, Lori. be brought from a place of hopelessness to a place of hope in all circumstances. Did I hear you correctly on that? Eternal hope. Good. Good. Yeah. Yes, Seth. Okay. I, I was making choices I should not be making, and yet in that, God was still faithfully there with me. And so for that, I want to follow him. Is that what you're saying, Seth? Excellent. Thank you. Yes, Angie. Love me unconditionally. Excellent. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing. And we could probably continue on sharing. So here's why, I'm a- here's why I'm asking this question. Chances are pretty great that no one ever came to you when you were, pre- were presented with the gospel and said, hey, if you're going to follow Jesus, it's going to be a really hard life. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to have people mocking you, making fun of you. They're not going to understand you. You're going to go against the cultural flow of society, and this is going to be hard. Chances are pretty great that no one ever did that. Now, maybe someone here had that happen. I don't know. And I'll be honest. When I share my faith with someone, I don't go to them and say, okay, by the way, here's what you need to expect. Although I will say this, about 10 or 15 years ago, I got a little bit convicted as a youth pastor that perhaps I was not being as upfront about the gospel as I should. So it's not that I wanted to just go and pile on all the, here's all the negative, here's what happens if you follow Jesus. Um, But I wanted to just, sometimes I feel like maybe we try to sell Christianity as, well, your life is just going to be great. Hang on. If you're going to follow Jesus and try to be true to him, you're going to encounter some difficulty that you probably did not have before you were following Jesus. Why? Because you're just going so much against the grain of society. Like, it's just going to happen. Okay? So, again, I'm not suggesting that when we're sharing our faith that we go and, and tell people, hey, let me first just share how hard this is going to be. No, people already understand that life is hard. People long for hope. And so when we share the gospel message, a lot of times we are sharing the hope that they already need. And they usually understand that they need it. But but Jesus goes deeper here in these Beatitudes. And he does not hide this idea that following me is going to be difficult. So let's read the Beatitudes as a whole. Take your Bible. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. And uh, each time that we've looked through these, we have, we have gone uh, and read the previous verse. So I'm going to do the same thing again, and we're going to read all 12 verses here this morning now. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Says this now, when Jesus saw the crowds, and that those were large crowds who he had already healed, we read it that we read about that before this passage. When he saw these large crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, And here's his teaching, here's these beatitudes Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And now where we are at today, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I'm going to read on here, verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice. Really? What? Rejoice. You heard it. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted, or sorry, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Kind of like saying, when you are insulted for righteousness' sake, you're in really good company. Because the prophets from old, they understand it. They went through it. They lived through it. They made it. But remember, great is your reward. Wow. This is a lot to take in. This is my least favorite beatitude. This is a hard one to hear. Remember, I, I've said all along that these beatitudes, these blessings, are paradoxical. They do not flow with the way my natural mind is going to flow. And so when I hear this final one, blessed are those who are persecuted. Come on! I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. And and this one is completely contrary to how we think. Blessed are those who are persecuted. I want you just really quickly to to remember a couple things. Blessed, remember what this is saying. Blessed means approved or truly happy. Truly happy are you when you live this way. You want to find true happiness it's found this way, Jesus is saying. It's not, it's not found the way the world is saying to find it. No, you can try that. And I appreciate those who are saying, I've tried this, and it's empty. Jesus is saying, in a sense, yes, it's empty. Because true happiness isn't found there. It's found here, being poor in spirit, mourning over your sin, being meek, etc. That's where it's found. This last one is really hard to hear. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Notice that it says, blessed are those who are persecuted. And then in verse 11 it says, blessed are you. That gets hard too. Because if you're like me, it's easier to talk about them. Those people. Blessed are those, blessed are those people who are in other countries today where they are experiencing persecution. Bless them for it. Bless them. But then Jesus doesn't just say, blessed are those. No, he goes further and he says, blessed are you. Blessed are you when you are insulted, when you are persecuted. Because of me, blessed are you. That gets personal. That's hard to hear. Because all of a sudden, this isn't just people in other countries who lack the freedom that we have here. And all of a sudden, he's making it personal to me. Nathan, blessed are you when you are persecuted for my sake. Blessed are you when you are insulted For my sake. Notice, Jesus says, Blessed are you when you are persecuted. Did you catch it? For righteousness. 
Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness. If you are persecuted because you are rude, insensitive, and thoughtless, that's your problem. That's your problem. Don't go blaming that on God. Don't go saying, well, it's just the cross I must bear. No, that's your problem. You fix that one. God never gives you the, the, the ability to just be rude, thoughtless, and insensitive. No. That's a character flaw that you need to change. If you are pious and think of yourself as better than others, own up to it. You are probably going to be persecuted. You're just kind of asking for it. You need a greater dose of humility if that's the case. So again, don't go blaming that on God and saying, it's just the cross I've got to bear. You've heard that before as Christians, right? Oh, it's just the cross I've got to bear. No, God needs to teach you a few things in your own character. You need a greater sense of humility. Blessed are those who are persecuted. The history of Christianity is one of persecution. You realize that? I had a class a few a couple months ago which was all on the Christian history. 2,000 years of, I should say, church history. 2,000 years of church history. And it was a lot to take in. It was an eight-week course. It was a lot to take in because I was really just came face-to-face with a lot of the persecution that early believers were faced with. And I was also faced with a lot of embarrassing facts about Christianity, meaning people did that in the name of Christ. Shame on them. We should have known better because we said that we're following this book and we said that we're following Jesus. Why do we treat people like that? So it was just a lot to take in. But Christianity... The church age, the last 2,000 years, has been marked by persecution. So like I say, study the early church during the time of Nero. Someone who hated Christians, not the only um, hater of Christianity, but Nero hated Christians. And I, I won't even go into detail about what he did to them because we have a variety of age brackets here. But all I can say is when I, and I I knew these things, but when I was confronted with it again, it made me want to vomit. It's just sick. It's just sick. It is just as twisted and evil as you can be. I remember one one story, and I'm actually forgetting which which, uh, early church father it was. I will share this one. He was burned at the stake. And um, he had a, um, he was going to compromise in his faith. And um, he actually signed a document. He was a church leader. And he was going to, he was going to compromise in his faith. And he began to, he, he, he signed the document. And then he turned back and said, I cannot do that. That goes against scripture, that goes against my conviction, that goes against what the Spirit is telling me, that goes against who Jesus is. I cannot do that. They said, well, then we will burn you at the stake. And he said, so be it. And he he would not recant, and he was burned at the stake. That means they lit him on fire, or they threw him in the fire. And he said, I choose to take the hand that first held the pen or whatever the writing utensil was and wanted to sign a document which interfered with my conviction, I burned that first. And he chose on his own to take his hand and stick it into the flames 
first. There are countless stories like that of Christians for the sake of Christ who endured persecution. Look at the apostles. Many, if not all, were persecuted. When I say persecuted, I mean they lost their life because of Jesus. That's what they went through. Look at the Protestant Reformation. Look at the treatment of people who said, hang on a second, I want to follow this book. I want to follow it. I don't want to just follow a religious structure which tells me what I must believe. And look at the treatment of those people. And if, if we think as though persecution is a thing of the past, think again. Pick up a publication of Voice of the Martyrs or just go online and go to the website Voice of the Martyrs and it doesn't take long before you understand that brothers and sisters in the faith are being persecuted daily around the world. Persecution is very real. Very real. In Western culture, we have done, I think, the best we can, and I don't believe this is good, but I think that we have done the best we can to turn a deaf ear. We don't like to hear this stuff. We don't like to talk about persecution. Today, in, in talking about persecution, for me, I am talking about, so far I've been talking about martyrdom. Losing your life because of your faith in Jesus. I want to paint a little bit of a different picture this morning. It is that, but it's also what Jesus says here in verse 11. Blessed are you when you are insulted. That's a form of persecution as well. So persecution comes in a variety of, of, of degrees. But in the church today, we don't like to talk about this. We don't like to talk about it. But hear this. God has talked about it. Let's just listen to these verses. John 15, 18 through 20. These are the words of Jesus. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. That's the reason. Because I've, I've called you out of it. I've pulled you out of it. You're mine. And the world doesn't get me. The world hated me first. Second Timothy 3 verse 12. Paul speaking here. He says, In fact... Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's going to happen. You can't run from it. Well, you can. But if you're a follower of Jesus, it's going to come. Now, what are you going to do when it comes? 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 3 through 4. You know quite well... That we were destined for them. What's the them? You look at the verses right before, and he's talking about difficulties and trials that we in encounter. So Paul, the Apostle Paul here is saying again, you know quite well that we were destined for trials. They're going to come. In fact, when we were with you 
We kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. I just love how Paul says it. Man, we were with you. We told you this. And you got, yep, that's exactly what happened. We were persecuted. Like, you well know that. You do. You got this figured out. Again, Scripture does not hide the fact that as believers in Jesus, we're going to encounter persecution. Wow. What a depressing way to end the Beatitudes. (laughs) Please hear this this morning. I am not wishing persecution on anyone. I am not wishing persecution on you or me. I am not wishing persecution on my brothers and sisters around the world who are undergoing persecution. In fact, I pray for my brothers and sisters around the world who are persecuted. I am praying that they will remain strong. And I am praying that if God is pleased, he will deliver them from that. And I am praying that if persecution that is severe like that ever comes on us, that we would be strong like them. I've heard, I don't know if this is true. Chances are pretty great you've heard this before too. I don't know if we could say this is true. Believers overseas are praying for us here in America that we would be persecuted. I don't know if that's true. I've heard from... Some missionaries before, they've said, yes, that's true. I've heard some people say, no, that's not true. I don't fully know. Again, I'm not wishing persecution on you. But, fellow believer, consider this. Jesus said that the disciple is not above his master. So if they persecuted Jesus, what makes us believe we're going to have it easy? Persecution might come in the form, we know the greatest form, losing your life, but I was thinking that persecution can also take on a couple examples here. Being mocked for positions I hold to that stem from God's word. And being mocked for that. Shamed for believing there is only one way to heaven. How dare you be so narrow-minded to think such a thing and being shamed for that, ridiculed for maintaining sexual purity, ridiculed for that. That's ludicrous. That is old-fashioned. Now, I understand that there are other religions who also abstain from Uh, sex until they're married. I understand that. But if it is for the deep-seated conviction that this is what God says, and then you are ridiculed, that is a form of persecution made fun of for not cutting corners. Cheating, but we like to say cutting corners to get ahead at work or at school. And just being made fun of. If it's for your conviction and if it's based on this book, that's a form of persecution. So I have a question, one question with two answers. My question is this. If we never receive persecution for our faith, why not? Why not? If, if we as believers in Jesus are not 
experiencing some form of persecution, why not? Two answers. The first, we are so cut off from the world that the world doesn't bother us. We are so removed from our society. We have created our own little holy bubble. We, we just engage with people who look like me and think like me and talk like me. And that's it. Now, hear me on this. I am all for good Christian fellowship. And you should be too. You want to stand strong in a society like this I'm describing? You need good Christian fellowship. Man, you need the body of Christ. You need accountability. You need people who think like you, who can sharpen you. But if it ends there, and you have no interaction with the world, then you're probably not going to receive much persecution because you're not with the world. But if you're not with the world, you're probably also not influencing the world. I have a problem with that. And I believe that Jesus has a problem with that. Look at who he came for. Look at the heart of God God so loved the world. That's not the globe. That's the people in the world. That's not the trees. That's humanity. God longs for the people to understand his saving grace. When I was at Multnomah um, 20 years ago, we had what was called the Multnomah bubble. And, we, and I think you probably go to any Bible college and they're going to have their own bubble, you know? But we would joke about it. Oh, welcome to the Multnomah bubble. Why? Because for four years, like, we are in this bubble. We're protected from the world. When I was there, I, somewhere along the way, someone said this, and it just stuck with me, and I've held on to it to this day. If you ever want to reach your world, your own culture... You must first remove from your culture before you can go back and help them out. You must first remove yourself from society, your culture, and study your culture from the outside to understand it. Because we get so bombarded with our culture that sometimes we don't even know how to think or behave any differently than the world around us. That's why living in a, bu- in a bubble for four years was the best thing I have ever done because it taught my mind how to think and not let my world tell me how to think because our world is telling us all the time So I'm saying all of this, understanding all of this, but I'm saying if there is never a point where we come back and engage our world, then we're not going to have any kind of persecution. Man, you are made to impact the world. That's God wants to use you. So don't run from the world. Okay, the second reason, and again, the the question, if we never receive persecution for our faith, why? The first answer I gave is we are so cut off from the world that the world doesn't bother us. And the second reason that I can at least think of is this. We are so much like the world that the world can't tell we have a relationship with Jesus. We just blend. And when we blend, there is no difference. We don't stand out. There's, There's no reason to be persecuted. Again, hear me. I am not wanting you to go out and be persecuted. I'm not praying that 
Lord, on Monday, would you please allow Chris to be persecuted? No, that's not what I'm wanting. But I believe according to what Jesus is saying here, and I thought about this and I wrestled with this this week, I so badly wanted to say, if it happens, and I was like, no, the Spirit of God wouldn't let me do that. It's not if, it's when. When this happens, when you are persecuted, are you going to run the other way? When you are insulted for your faith, when you are mocked, when you are made fun of, what are you going to do? Are you going to just blend? Huge temptation in the church today, and it has, it has always been this way. It's not like 2020 is something new. No, it's always been this way. To blend with society. We don't like to stand out. We like approval. We like people to pat us on the back and, and just be happy with how we're blending with society. I don't believe that's what we're called to. Jesus says... You want to be truly happy. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And notice that Jesus goes on here and he says that there is a result, there is a promise. He says, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. There is a reward when we are faithful. When we are faithful to the Lord, there's a reward. I'd like to throw this quote up on the screen. Um, It's a quote from Arthur Pink. It should, yep, thank you. It says this, Arthur Pink was an English theologian who um, died about 70 years ago, but he's become much more well-known actually after his death. Um, But it says this, it is a strong proof of human depravity that men's curses and Christ's blessing should meet on the same person. Does that make sense to you? It's a strong proof of human depravity, kind of like saying this is how messed up we get as people, that the very one that God blesses is the one that society curses. And he's saying the blessing and the curse fall on the same person. If you are being cursed, For righteousness' sake, know that God is blessing you just the same. There is a great reward that Jesus says awaits us. Have you ever done something that wasn't fun, but you hung on? Because you knew it would be worth it in the end? Sure you have. I mean, isn't, isn't life really like this? I think that in life, I think life just teaches us this. If something is really worth it, it's probably going to also be really hard. There, there's probably a number of examples I could give, but the most recent example, so if you follow us and you get the emails... Um, in the midweek encouragement, I, uh, a couple months ago, I wrote that I like to run, which is really bizarre because Kelsey's the one who ran first. Like, she's the one that started running first. And I remember mocking her, okay? Her own little form of persecution, I suppose. Okay, I, was, I was mocking her, like, you shouldn't run. Don't, you're going to take it too seriously. And she was like, oh, I just feel so good after I run. Well, then I started running, I don't know, a couple years ago probably. Now, you need to know that when I run, 
I look pathetic, okay? So don't be like all impressed, like, oh, this is incredible. No, it's not that. Like, half the time I'm walking, the other half I'm, I'm running, and it's just pretty slow. But it's just movement, you know, it gets the blood moving. It's, I, it's, it's good. We were on vacation for two weeks. The last couple weeks we were out. So I think we went running one time over those whole two, over those whole two weeks. Uh, we came back this last week. We ran a, ran a couple times. I'm telling you, alarm clock went off on, on vacation. I guess we had the alarm clock a few times. We had to fly to Kansas. That was early. That was like a 2 o'clock in the morning wake up, you know. Okay, but, but it was like, hey, we're back in. Got to get back into routine. So we're like, okay, got to set the alarm. And the alarm goes off. And I was just like laying there, and I'm just thinking, oh, babe, do you really want to go or not? What's she going to say? And like, well, if you go, I'll go. <laughs> and, and so we're just, okay, well, we'll do it. And so we, we did it. You know, we did it a couple times this last week. Oh, man, the pillow felt so good. I'm just like thinking, oh, Lord, why is it that finally at 6.30 in the morning, I feel like I'm finally sleeping good? Like, why is it? I want to keep sleeping right now, you know? Nope, we're going to get up and we're going to run. It's, it takes work. But you know what? We get back and we're like, we're chipper. Whew, that felt good. Oh, that felt good. I, you know, I, I think in, in a similar way, Jesus is telling us, hey, it can be hard right now. It's going to be hard right now. Yes, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be insulted because of, because of me. It's going to happen. I, I warned you about this. I told you. But you need to know this. There is a great reward, which is coming. There is a great reward. So hold on. Hold on. Listen to these, these verses of Scripture. These speak powerfully. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says this. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So because of this, we fix our eyes not on what is seen. You know, like all of this stuff down here on the earth. But we fix our eyes on what is unseen. For what is seen That's the temporary stuff. But what is unseen, that stuff is eternal. That's eternal. We're fixing our eyes on that. So we're going through something hard. Keep in mind, it's momentary. It's for a moment. I know that in the moment, it feels like eternity sometimes. It's going to pass. Mark 10, verse 29, the words of Jesus, I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fills. I love it that he throws in the fields over there. For me and the gospel will, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age and the age to come eternal life. Do you catch what he's saying there? You leave it all for me. You're going to receive a hundred times. There's a reward coming, Jesus is saying. It's going to be worth it. One more. I read this yesterday at the celebration of life for Ralph. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Paul said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What we are facing today, it can be hard. It can be hard to not compromise, not give in. It can be hard to stand up for the truth of Scripture. But Jesus is saying, I'm telling you, it's going to be worth it. 
I consider that this doesn't even compare to the glory that is coming. There is a future glory. It's going to come. And I mentioned this yesterday, Romans 8, it goes on. And Paul talks about the world groaning. Says, the world is groaning right now. I was in Kansas. Kelsey and I were in Kansas last a week ago. We were flying home, trying to fly home. And we saw out there some of the most beautiful sunsets I've ever seen. I think probably the most beautiful sunset I've ever seen. I think it was right there in Kansas. Because the sun was huge. Like, God, it's the same sun, but it's huge. And I'm just reminded when I read, all of creation is groaning. I'm just reminded that the beauty that we see here, as beautiful as it is, compared to what is coming in glory, the reward that awaits us, the beauty we have here is, it's like it's groaning. There is something far greater coming. Don't forget that. My question for you in closing here. Have the light and momentary troubles of life sidetracked you in any way? Have the light and momentary troubles of life sidetracked you in any way. Don't forget, if you are a follower of, in Jesus, of Jesus, you have a reward coming. In relation to this beatitude, don't go looking for persecution. Don't invite harassment. I don't think that that'll be a problem. I don't think anyone's going to leave the message this, this today and, here we go, sign me up. I don't think that's going to happen. But here's what I do ask of you as I ask it of myself. When, again, when it comes, to whatever degree it comes, don't run from it either. Don't run. Be comforted in the words of Jesus. This happened before to the saints in the past, and they came through just fine. You will be fine too. You have a great reward coming. In light of the Beatitudes as a whole, in light of the Beatitudes that we have looked at this summer, where are you trying to find your happiness? What are you looking to to make you happy, truly happy? Are you realizing that if we use the world's measurement, we're going to be disappointed? Jesus is offering us his measurement, God's measurement. And that's measurement worth following. I want to leave you with this. Um, I, when I was a youth pastor, I actually took my high school youth group through the Beatitudes back in the summer of 2013. So I was, I was looking this last week at those notes. I actually have all the notes I ever taught for 17 years of youth ministry. And I was looking through. I was like, I wonder what angle I took on this. And I forgot all about this until I looked at it this last week. And I wrote this. It's not great, great or anything like that. But um, I want to share it with you this morning. If Jesus is telling us in the Beatitudes where true happiness is found, then I think it is kind of implied in these Beatitudes where short-lived, temporary happiness is found. Listen to this. 
short-lived happiness comes to those who are arrogant, cocky, and think they know it all. For the short-lived pleasure of life is all they have to look forward to. Short-lived happiness comes to those who care more about externals than what is truly in the heart. They will live a life of secret turmoil. Short-lived happiness comes to those who step on other people and put them down so they themselves advance. They will lack genuine respect. Short-lived happiness comes to those who pursue whatever pleasure life has to offer, sex, alcohol, money, fancy vacations, comfort, you name it. They will be left feeling empty. Short-lived happiness comes to those who make sure others are punished fully for their wrong without extending an ounce of grace. These people will receive no mercy. Short-lived happiness comes to those who are greedy, covetous, dwelling on lustful thoughts, for they will never see God. Short-lived happiness, at best, may come for those who stir up dissension, disunity, and conflict among people. They will be known as the workers of the enemy. Short-lived happiness comes to Christians who are weak in their faith, never stand up for their convictions, take it easy by joining the cultural flow, for they will never see the full extent of their eternal reward. Cry out in anguish for the outcome of a life lived this way is useless. Lord God, these are the blessings that we have looked at this last summer. This, what I shared, is a reminder of where it is not found. But Lord Jesus, you shared with us where it is found. May we be careful in what we pursue and where we believe happiness is found. Lord, I want to be approved by you. I want your blessing. And I want that blessing on my brothers and sisters here at Kingwood Bible Church. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.